0: Hi there, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. Thank you for joining us today. I have uh, two guests with me today. I have Sarah Schmidt, who is a final year veterinary student at the University of Florida. Um, and I have Dr. Mo O'Brien, who is a criticalist. And um, I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves a, a little bit. Um, so I'm, we're going to start, Mo, if I can start with you. Um, can you just give us just a brief background of kind of where you are now, what you're doing? Um, and we'll get into maybe a little bit more of your background later in the show.
1: All right. Um, So I'm a criticalist. I work in a private practice right now. I probably got into my specialty later in life. So I was, I graduated vet school in 1996. Um, I had my first child, my fourth year. Um, So that kind of put a kibosh on me doing an internship or residency at that point. Um, So I was in general practice, doing general practice slash emergency for probably eight or nine years before I started my residency um, and then out of my residency, I went on faculty at the University of Illinois for about eight years. And then we moved to Maine and I'm in private practice in Portland now.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thanks. We're going to get dig way deeper into some of that. But um, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, uh, Sarah Fetter Schmidt. Um, I came to uh Veterinary medicine as a second career. My first career was as a uh, naval flight officer on the P3. So I did that for about eight years um, before I found vet med. Um, And I like uh, Dr. Connor said, I'm in my fourth year of veterinary school, and I now have two little girls. All right. So
0: Sarah actually reached out to us at Veterinary Journal Club um, because you said, I have an idea for a show that I think would be great. And then you volunteered to, to be part of it. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit, because um, I actually don't know yet. We haven't gotten into this. What prompted that? Um, so, so tell me what prompted you to send an email?
2: Sure. Um, well, Dr. Connor's, um podcast, like most of our listeners know, is fabulous. And um, my husband and I listen to it a lot. And, um, you know, I do field uh, a few questions now and then about like, being a mom in vet school and, and how you kind of make that work. And so I thought that You know, if I'm getting one or two questions, I'm sure that the veterinary community at large has a lot of questions about that, especially considering there's so many females in veterinary medicine and we're all kind of of that, you know, childbearing age and and looking to expand our families type of thing, so.
0: So you were like, hey, I want to hear more about this. A lot of people have questions and I think it'd be a great show. And we said, great, do you want to be part of it? And you said, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Topher and I talked and we we're like, maybe it'd be cool to have a veterinarian who's in a different stage of her career um, that could share a different perspective because the listeners might not all know that um, that we don't have children. Topher and I don't have um, any kids. We decided that wasn't the route we wanted to go. And so um, we can I can share that perspective, um, but I can't share the perspective of, of having children myself. So then I reached out to, um, Dr. O'Brien Mo that I've known for a few years now. And actually, I don't know if you, do you know this Mo, but you, um, started at the university of Illinois right after I finished my internship there. Yeah. So I we didn't so. actually, we were ships in the night. Um, yeah. so maybe that's why I feel like I've known you longer than just the last couple of years. <laughs> it's cause I knew of you, um, at that time, but we didn't actually ever overlap, um, at, at U of I, but at any rate, so reached out to Mo and she was like, sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Come, you know, share my personal story. Why not? So, Why not? Um, you already told us a little bit that you, um, you know, had your first child um, just at the end of vet school, and then so you had young children. We, were, you're were just at the very beginning of your career, um, and so and maybe you guys can each kind of share a little bit if you if whatever you're comfortable with, of course. But what went into your decision-making process as f- far as saying like all right, I'm ready to start having children. This is a decision I've made. And, you know, what were your thoughts about that? Or was it a little bit more like, eh, this is life, whatever happens, happens. So, Mo, maybe do you want to share a little bit um, about how how things happened, if you're comfortable with that? Uh,
1: yeah, well, um, my husband is 13 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. So when we got married, he was 35. I was a young, young Brad at 23. Um, and kind of knew that we wanted to have a family and he didn't want to be... An older dad and I was yeah. like, you know, I'd heard people are like saying there's no good time to have family, so yeah. it's whenever you want. So we figured, why not during vet school? So we did try during vet school, some failed mother nature attempts, and then got pregnant my fourth year. Um, and I mean, that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, so it actually we had, a, I guess it took us two years to get pregnant, gotcha. and then had child number one and then mother nature's little sense of humor kicked in and (laughs) child number two came along 12 and a half months later.
0: Almost, almost Irish twins. Oh man. oh. (laughs) So when you guys were having that discussion, you know, at the time you're in vet school and you're thinking, you know, like we want to have, we want to have kids. This is a thing we've decided we want to do. If we wait too long, that's not quite what we'd envision for ourselves. And so you know, did you talk to other people? Did you have, did you have people giving you good advice, bad advice? Did you not even care what other people thought? <laughs> um, you know, I guess, not, I
1: guess not. No. Um, that's awesome. There were, there were a few of my classmates who had children like their okay. s- second year. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we had two. So you could kind of see what they went through with studying and children. And yeah. Like, all right. It seems doable.
0: Nice. So, so you had some role models. It didn't seem
1: impossible. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: they're no, still doing it. Don't. Yeah. So you're like, all right, if they can do it, I can do it. So do it. we, you guys, that wasn't part of your discussion was like, is this going to have an impact on, you know, your, no.
1: no, I mean, I guess I just thought of it like vet school, even though it's vet school, it's still a job. Right. It was a job. It was my job at the time.
0: And like you said, so... anytime you have, there's no perfect time. Right. So no if you're waiting time. around for that, you're going to wait for a long time. So you said now, you know, right. what's the difference whether we do it now. And then it, as you said, mother nature kind of decides how things are going to go. So you started and it still took you two years to, to get pregnant yeah. and successfully. Yeah. So, um, that, that in and of itself is probably, um, you know, the advice to think about is that you don't have complete control over this anyway. <laughs> um, so, um, all right, Sarah, do you mind, why don't, why don't you share a little bit about, you know, kind of, what was that process like for you when it came to thinking about when do you want to start having children and, and if, you know, what discussions you had you know, either internally with your spouse, you know, your family?
2: Sure. Yeah. Similarly to Dr. O'Brien, we had tried for um, quite a while before we were successful. Um, And so my, you know, I was very planned out and I was going to leave the Navy. And the idea was I was going to get pregnant while I was on active duty and then take this maternity leave. And then I was going to have a toddler and go to vet school. Um, But of course that didn't um, work out quite like we had planned. And like you said, mother takes your major, takes her own time. And so I, um, wasn't getting pregnant. And then, so we decided, well, we're just going to move ahead with vet school. And, um, so went ahead and and went ahead with the application process and found out I got in and was so excited. And then a few months later found out I was also pregnant. (laughs) Uh, Just like you wanted it, right? Yeah. So when it rains, it pours. miracles all at the same time. Um, so of course that was, you know, anxiety provoking all of your hopes and dreams coming true, but all at the same time. And so there was um, this, you know, a few week period, I would say where there was a lot of intense conversations about, what does that really look like? Which is probably why I thought this podcast would be helpful to some people who are yeah. at this stage in planning, um, is, you know, what does it really mean to like have a, a newborn and go to vet school at the same time? But, um, we decided that, uh, we wanted to go ahead and go for it. So we, you know, didn't defer uh, my first year, wanted to go ahead and at least try, uh, to be pregnant and in vet school. And then, um, it ended up, you know, working out. So I had my, my daughter, in between first and second semester Ooh, that worked out nice <laughs> yeah she um was a week late and I um elected for induction just because I was like I've got to go back to school we need, we gotcha. need to get this
0: going. So, oh my yeah. goodness so you um you had your first child in between first and second year um mm-hmm. and so then at the beginning of second year which a lot of people say is the hardest of the of the years of vet school you had a newborn for a, a, yeah. And so, you know, how, how did you feel like that transition went?
2: It was, it was challenging. So I went back uh, to school and she was 10 days old oh and gosh. I walked out and handed the bottles to dad and, and went off to school. And, um, I, I was breastfeeding at the time. And so I remember I had to leave. 10 minutes early uh, so I could, you know, go um, get set up in the room, pump, and then come back to class. And I had ended up missing like 20 minutes of class on either side. And I was so confused about the lecture and what was going on. I was like, oh, no, this is like not working. I'm missing a ton of lecture. Um, so the second day I was like, Okay, we can't do that again. Like this isn't working for me. And so I actually elected to stay home and at University okay. of Florida we're really blessed in that the lectures are recorded. Um and that was a really uh terrifying idea to me because yeah. you know, I'm like the girl in elementary school who coveted her hundred percent attendance <laughs> pencil, and like I was just gonna choose to not go to class. Yeah. Um but it just took a little bit more discipline and, you know, um, having a thoughtful plan as to how you were going to make sure you saw all the lectures and everything. But in that way, I was able to be there, nurse, pump uh-huh. in all those things, but not miss any class and kind of do it a little bit more on, on my, my own terms. Now, so um, this was
0: all pre-COVID. So I'm imagining these were recorded, but not live streamed.
2: Exactly. Gotcha. So I was perpetually behind. <laughs> gotcha. I thought it was a, a good day if I was only three or four hours behind my classmates who were going to class. So, gotcha. um, yeah. So a lot of that bled over into long nights and weekends and trying to keep up, but I was able to manage. And as you know, you, you talked about that six for six weeks um, back in sophomore, uh, freshman year is, is a lot of really dense uh, physiology. Yeah. So dense
0: material you know. Yeah I mean in every vet school's curriculum is a little bit different as far as what's covered when and so on and so forth and you know there's never an ideal time of course but so did you feel like not being present and not being in person and this is actually interesting and relevant now given that so much of learning is is remote whether you want it or not um, but did you feel like there was a big difference for you when you were not there in person and able to like interact with the professors and your classmates you know what kind of Of an impact would you say that had?
2: Sure. So, yeah, of course, when you have a question about something, you know, it's not as easy as you're going to raise your hand and get, you know, instantaneous feedback on Mm -hmm. that question. So, you have to kind of, you know, formulate your questions and maybe email them later and Mm -hmm. kind of think about them. But it's also, I thought, very helpful to be able to pause and relisten to something or um especially first year when it's all new vocabulary, um, you know, you can pause, look up the word that you had a question about, and then like, yeah. you know, read your mindset and then move forward. So I found it to be really um helpful. And then mm-hmm. some things that maybe I understood, you know, I already had a background and understanding, I could go a little bit faster through those but I was able yeah. to stop and kind of go more slowly through the material so for me I felt like it was a, it was a good to um, yeah. way to learn socially yeah. isolating though um, yeah. of course you don't you know get that interaction with your classmates mm-hmm. daily so you have to make like, a little bit more of an effort to stay engaged and you know make sure you're calling or texting and you know keeping up on your updates in other ways but, um,
0: but well, it was so, okay something else just occurred to me um, is that both of you were very pregnant for a good chunk of vet school, and you know, again, don't have any children of my own, but like I have siblings and like pregnancy can go really differently for different people. Um, you know, did either of you guys um experience you know either severe medical side effects, bad even bad morning sickness, or just difficulties um while you were pregnant that made Uh, vet school a little bit harder. Mo, did you experience any of that?
1: Mm, Yeah, mine was pretty easy. Um, The only things were, I think my last few weeks where I was really pregnant. um, I was on clinics in medicine, internal medicine. You know, you have to dress up. (laughs) My feet could not fit into dress shoes. So because I had log legs. So you get this, (laughs) this pitting edema in your in your legs towards yeah. the end. It's lovely. Um, so I was wearing sneakers and I can still remember some clinicians Jealous. like, Whoa! Oh, but then they'd look at, then they'd look up and go like, oh, all right, okay.
0: we're going to let that one slide. <laughs> that um, sneakers. No, Wasn't it,
1: was it too bad. And actually <laughs> yes. I was quite pregnant in uh, large animal surgery. Oh, so I got out of a bunch of things, um, <laughs> because, but I do remember there was this one German s- there was a resident from Germany. So he's very like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and we did a field castration on a horse. So I remember like seven, eight months pregnant, horse, and someone's like, have you looked at this woman? (laughs) Are you paying attention?
0: Yeah. But do you feel like you had to like remind people like, hey, there are certain things I can't do or things I have to avoid, like anesthesia and things like mm -hmm. that?
1: The anesthesia we did. So I pushed that to the end. So I gotcha. actually, okay. in my rotations, I moved stuff around so that anesthesia was towards the end. And I actually gotcha. had to come back. I had two rotations I had to make up.
0: Gotcha. Because, because you of, had a kid. And
1: you got, yeah. Yeah. And one yeah. of those was anesthesia. Gotcha. Uh, I think it was like my second anesthesia. So
0: you were was. able to work with the administration to kind of rearrange things a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, they were that's very good. understanding. That's cool. So that's it cool. Work out. How about you, Sarah? Did you run into any, you know, kind of pregnancy related medical things that were like, this makes it really hard, even if it's just regular pregnancy stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh- Dr. O'Brien le- alluded to an easy pregnancy. And I don't know if that's such a thing, you know, being pregnant is, is not always easy. Um, um but but I, had other had a, women, I guess, yeah, I had a very, <laughs> um, normal pregnancy. So, you know, all the normal pregnancy things sure. and the feet falling and all that. Um, but no, I didn't have luckily enough, um, you know, didn't have any severe nausea or any kind of complications or anything, but similar experience. Um, I had to switch for my second pregnancy, I had to switch around some of the rotations, anesthesia and just take extra precautions and others. Wow. So, so like anat- anatomic pathology, I was always the you know first to put on extra layers of you right. know protection and biosecurity that type of thing but um, other than that it was um, it was pretty routine.
0: You basically just advocate for yourself and what you need and I again not not pregnant didn't have a kid, but I did have, like severe, um, back issues in first year of that school, I ended up having back surgery between, between first and second year. And so I remember having issues of just like, I couldn't sit in a, in a lecture hall. I had bad sciatic, had a, a, lumbosacral disc herniation. And, um, just like standing, I was like, I'm going to just stand in the back of the lecture hall. And I would just tell the the instructors, like, that's what I'm doing. And you you just make your accommodations and they go, that's weird, but okay, go do your thing. And, um, so, I mean, I, 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 other people have medical, you know, medical issues and, I mean, maybe you don't consider pregnancy a medical issue per se, but you understand what I'm getting at that, um, you know, so basically just speaking up, saying, hey, this is what I need or recognizing in yourself, I need to, you know, adapt in these ways or, um, you know, talk to the administration about rearranging schedules and things. And um, so it sounds like you guys have had reasonably good experiences as far as the, you know, how accommodating things have been. But if you could go back and say, what are some things that you think veterinary schools could do better? Um, to make, you know, if you if you make the decision, because as Sarah, you said, like a lot of people at this age in vet school, like this is like prime, I want to start having kids age. Um, and so many people say, I, I don't want to do that. Um, and my presumption is that they d- don't want to do that because they perceive this is going to be really, really hard. And, and while that's definitely going to be true for a lot of people, are there things that you think structurally could be done to make that easier to say, Hey, we have, we have a system in place that if you do want to start having kids now, cause that is biologically reasonable. Um, here's what we can do to help support you with that. So Mo, can you, can you think back? Are there things that, um, you, you seem to think like it went pretty easy for you, but I, I imagine there are things that could have gone better.
1: It did. And, and I didn't have a lecture. I wasn't in lecture. So it was easy to just kind of work through my pregnancy. Um, I guess, I, I mean, I locked out in that Bob was on faculty at Wisconsin where I went to vet school mm-hmm. and the two rotations I had to come back for, he brought the baby to work. Oh, so wow. I could go up to the office and nurse, but I can't imagine trying to pump, like you said, trying to pump and do that in a timely manner. And oh yeah. my God, um, at Illinois, they had a, they called it the parlor room. So they actually <laughs> ran into enough pregnant women and faculty and staff that yeah. needed a room to pump in. Because you can't yeah. do it in the bathroom. That's not that's gross. Impossible. <laughs> um, there's no privacy. Yeah, and it's gross. Yeah. So not, yeah. I mean accommodating for that. And they actually did do it. They found a room and nice. there was a they actually was a schedule on the door. Here, I'm gonna use it for this oh, time. Right. But I, I I don't know. And God, it was so long ago. I have no idea. I mean the beauty of being able to if you're in classes record classes or live yeah. Stream, yeah, that makes life so much easier. So I don't, yeah. I don't have that point of view to, yeah. to know, you know, the difficulties.
2: What are your thoughts, Sarah? Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things, like I already kind of alluded to having the, the recorded lectures yeah. to be able to rely on and kind of um, get to school on your own um, terms was r- super helpful. And I really yeah. don't know if I had been at a, another university without that, if I might've, you know, if it would have worked as well as it had. Um, one thing that could be better I'll say is that, um, so I was, I think I'm not sure that I know of, I think I might have been the first person to start vet school pregnant. Um, the administration said they've had a few people, um, get pregnant during vet school, but they've never had anyone start. Um, so of course, uh, I had to initially talk to the administration about, yeah, I'm pregnant and the things. And, um, the kind of the guidance and the recommendation I got at that point was that I should defer. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. and so that was really challenging. Cause you know, you're I really wanted to start vet school. I really wanted to make this work. I was pretty sure I could make it work just based on, you know, having a little bit of extra life experience. And I knew I had the support system here set up, yeah. but you don't know, you know, cause yeah. I've never been to vet school before. And I know it's challenging, but I hadn't done it before. And so, um, I think maybe the administration could have been a little bit more supportive and maybe not made that recommendation because if I had been a different person at a different time in my life, I might've, might've thought I couldn't do it and had deferred and who knows, maybe I wouldn't have come back. So I mean, having the
0: option, right? Like, let's say you weren't planning on getting pregnant and having the option to defer, I think is a lovely thing. But like you said, having the recommendation saying, Hey, we don't think you can do that. It's like, well, well, why not? Um, right you know why why are you not able to provide the the support that i'm going to need to ensure my success and um you know that's i think for me again speaking from you know i i don't have children of my own we don't have plans to to have children of our own but like i i'd like to think i'm a pretty strong advocate for people starting to have children whenever is right for you and your family and this um i i feel like um I've witnessed or at least felt some, uh, there is, there's some judgment, I think, sometimes um, if people decide if they want to, you know, uh, start having a kid during an internship or a residency, uh, I think some people will, will judge that and be like, oh, that's a terrible time to do that, or what are you thinking, or, um, you know, you can't do that, that that kind of thing, and it it maybe isn't blatant necessarily saying you cannot do this, but I don't know that we have come very far in veterinary medicine yet that we really have the infrastructure to say hey it's easy for us to adjust the schedule for somebody to take maternity or paternity leave um and it's it's not a big deal like we recognize that you can't predict how your pregnancy is going to go and hopefully it goes really you know it's smooth sailing but you could have issues and you might need to step away or even just the the relatively minor things like you guys are talking about being able to um you know watch recorded lectures or live stream, if that's available, you know, having that flexibility, um, those are, you know, kind of the low hanging fruit. But just, I think for me, the culture um, of, you know, it's really not anyone else's business or, or um, it's really not up to anyone else to decide when you want to start having children. And, um, but I, I remember when I got my first faculty position, people saying like, all right, you don't plan on having kids right away, right? Like people actually said that. It was like, well, it's none of your business, um, and I wasn't going to. But now I feel like, out of defiance, I, you know, and uh, those kinds of comments are are really just not appropriate. And uh, but I think they're still happening. Um, so I don't know if have you did you guys either experience any of that, Sarah? Like, have you experienced any of that either from classmates or from administration? I know you said that ultimately you've been, they've been pretty flexible with things, but their initial reaction was maybe you should just, you know, push back because having kids and starting vet school just doesn't seem compatible to them, even though by their own admission, they hadn't had anyone do it.
2: Yeah. Aside from that initial conversation, um, where that was recommended to me, um, everyone since then, I would say uh, by and large, everyone has been incredibly accommodating. Um, and I would say like the biggest thing out there is just ask, Ask for what you need because other people don't know what you need. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, a lot of professors like, let me know if you need anything, but they, you know, they don't know what you need. But if I was yeah. asked, um, I need to be able to go to this appointment on this day, yeah. I, I need to be able to, to move this around. Or um, for example, we have a clinical skills course and I was going to be, you know, nine months pregnant at the time, like I was scheduled to do that. And I said, you know, can we move that sooner so I can get the most out of that opportunity? And, you know, people are like, oh, okay, sure. No problem. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you're specific with what you need and ask for yeah. it. And the worst thing they can say is no. Um, yeah. That's fair.
0: Mo, do you have any, do you have any recollection of people or feeling kind of like, what were you thinking trying to have, um, you know, a kid in vet school or afterwards, um, you know, any issues when you were doing your residency, your kids were older at that point, but.
1: Um, doing my, my kids were boy nine, somewhere between the age of eight and 12 when it was all said and done. Um, I had the luck of having Bob, um, take over. Cause I did an alternate track residency. So, um, I traveled, yeah. uh, for three weeks at a time, uh, every other month for three years. So, oh um, but no, no one ever gave me a hard time. I, I mean, That's I good. just, I didn't try and be different from anybody else. Gotcha. So I didn't let life interrupt. Gotcha. So good. Cause yeah. I didn't want anybody to say, uh, well, you know, She's got kids, so she can't do X, Y, Z.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and I, I, you know, I think that that is, that can be a source of frustration. Um, You know, my personal opinion on this is if, you know, uh, if you need accommodations for any reason, right, for any reason, whatsoever, whether it's because you're pregnant, you have young children, you have, you know, uh, a sick grandmother that you're caring for, you have, uh, you know, an illness or a disability yourself, whatever, whatever you need. Um, my take is that should be the infrastructure, the administration, the hospital, they, they should be accommodating that. That shouldn't fall to your coworkers, right? Um, that's, that's the thing that for me has always been, um, a bit of a frustration with administration speaking from somebody who, who doesn't have children and is fortunate enough that like, I don't have, you know, sick family members that I have to care for, you know, other, other of those types of like, I know this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, that there are definitely times where it feels like, oh, well, okay, you don't have kids, so you can do these things. And that's like the quickest way to breed resentment amongst employees. And so I've always been, it's been very important for me to um, emphasize that that is not a me problem or a you problem, that is a up here administration problem, right? That if somebody needs maternity leave, a hundred percent should get maternity leave and that should be a non-issue, but it shouldn't be like, okay, these other people are just going to work more to cover for that. Like that's not the solution um, to, you know, things like maternity leave. And I I think that's one of the areas, at least in academic medicine that I think we have um, in veterinary medicine, we're not doing a very good job of. Um, And and in my experience in a few different institutions. Um, And so Mo, you kind of address that saying like, I'm going to just make sure that um, there's nothing that anyone's going to say like, oh, she's not doing this because she has kids. Um, So you took that upon yourself. Um, But not everybody can do that necessarily, right? Like if you have the support and it sounds like, you know, both, you know, you, you and Sarah both seem like you have good support, but like if an emergency comes up, you got to put your family first. Um, mm-hmm. but everybody does, <laughs> you know, if, right. if something happens to somebody in my family, like I don't, it's not my child, but you know, my husband gets sick. Guess what? I'm going to stop doing whatever it is I'm doing. And I, I expect you guys to sort this out and I'm going to go take care of whatever that emergency is. Um, but I don't necessarily think, you know, maybe in that minute, right? Like the team is going to help out, but if that becomes an extended thing, I expect the administration to step up and figure out, you know, how we're going to solve that issue. And, and that's where I feel like you know depending on where you work some, some some places don't have that quite figured out yet but maybe has that been your guys' experience what do you, what are your thoughts on that sarah have you run into any of that yet
2: yeah uh, for example you know Kid gets sick at school, and you've got to go in. And I was on clinics, and I've got to leave right now. I have to be there within a half hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so I had my classmates take over. You know, the cases that I had planned. You know, I try and turn over everything to them as best I can. And I, like you said, it was less at administrative level and more at a personal level. But made sure that I covered, you know, their weekend shifts or covered their patients at other times, so that you know they kind of felt like I had their back as well, um, since they had mine in that moment. And I I think that extends beyond on you know the children right um, and family thing that's just kind of our being community part of a good I, team yeah.
0: yeah yeah mo have you run into anything like that no been- i can't and i
1: and i want to say it's not it's not even a family thing i think uh you know you're saying administration not stepping up i think that might be a, a our profession wise
0: right like, right like the expectations girls, yeah. no matter what yeah yeah, I think, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, I'm pregnant and I'm gonna need maternity leave at this point, like, you know, okay, cool, we're gonna get a locum for that chunk of time. Like that to me should be just obvious and the norm. Um and at least in my experience, is not always the, the be, obvious the norm. It's not right. right. Um, and those are things that I think at a at a profession level, you know, veterinary medicine especially because, like, look at the demographics of our profession. Um, You know, when you have a bunch of people, they're getting into vet school in their early 20s, which means they're graduating on average in their mid-20s. You guys are exceptions to that. I I get that. But, uh, well, no, you weren't an exception age-wise. You did your residency later. But, yeah, if you're in your mid-20s, like, that is a normal time to want to start having children. Um, And I think our profession just has to recognize that, we we have to start to accommodate that. Um, I, one of the things that I feel like I've seen happen is um, if you look statistically at the number of women going into specialty medicine and going into administration and things like that in academic institutions, um, the numbers stop reflecting what vet school looks like. So the proportion of women in vet school versus um, versus men over the years, the trends don't necessarily reflect when you move up um, either, like I said, when it comes to specializing, um, when it comes to being in academia, and when it comes to taking on administrative roles, um, which is kind of a frustrating thing that, that I've observed. Um, and I think a lot of the reason is, and I've, I've talked to other people about this is, is, uh, particularly academic medicine doesn't often feel like a very welcoming place for somebody who maybe wants to have children. Um, you know, private practice, I think is much more variable. I think there are a lot more private practices who have recognized like, no, that's just the reality of it. And we have to, we have to figure this out. Um, and I think academia has lagged behind, um, in that. And Mo, you, you've done both. You've done academic, academic medicine and, um, you know, private practice. And have you experienced a difference between, you know, those two worlds in veterinary medicine when it came to not even just for yourself, but like, if you've observed other people or or what's been your impression?
1: I guess I was lucky Illinois to me and maybe we were, I don't know, we kept, we didn't keep to ourselves, but like ER itself was its own little world. Yeah. And my work wife, Maureen McMichael, yeah. she was completely pro family. So yeah. I had a problem. She had a problem. We covered each other. Yeah, You know, she's like, I got to run. My kids are blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, I've got it. Don't worry yeah. about it. And vice versa. Um, and then I've had other, my first job, Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a man versus woman boss. My first job was a man. Mm. And I remembered sick children and I, I still had to work. I had a child in a mm. backpack while I was seeing patients and I oh, have the child in a backpack and then I'd have to go see a client and I'd pass that child off to a tech who was, and this was all what we had to do. Cause I couldn't stop working. I did not get to leave work for said sick child. The job I'm at now, woman Boss who has four children herself. Oh yeah, go. You know, right. family is most important. So yeah, maybe like you're saying, it is a. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's and a, I think there are know. steps. Yeah, and I think as more and more you know women in the profession start to demand that kind of environment, I think you'll start to see more of that, and that, or more women that are getting into those administrative boss positions, owner positions. I think you'll start to see more and more of that. Um, but yeah, I remember talking, um, and I'm, I'm not going to use names because. I don't have permission to share their stories, but talking to sort of higher level administrators um, over the years that, um, one, one woman who told me that, um, she was, you know, kind of shunned when she decided to have children, which was later in life. I think she was in her forties or something when she decided to start having children and her male colleagues were just kind of like, Oh, I guess you're giving up on your career now. Um, like you, you, no, you're successful in your career. You've, you've put off having children for a long time to focus on your career. And now that you've decided, okay, I'm established and I'd like to do this, people are going to like look down at you. And granted, that was, you know, now probably 15, 20 years, maybe 15 years ago um, approximately. And, you know, I'd like to think things are getting better, but I think a lot of that is still you like that you have to choose one or the other. Um, And I think that's a little frustrating to think that in, you know, that you have to you have to make a choice. I will tell you, my choice not to have children has nothing to do with my career. <laughs> um, it it really doesn't. That was never. That's not how it factored in for me. Um. That and I and I don't think it ever would have. Um. You know. It, I'd like to think it wouldn't have made a difference, um, you know, on my career if I'd chosen to have children, but, um, but that wasn't why. That had nothing to do with why you know um, Topher and I you know discussed it and decided not to have kids. But it wasn't like oh, if you do that, then your career will suffer. Um, but other people have one been told that and two experienced that where their career you know maybe did suffer. Um, and so you know what are what are your guys' what Sarah? What's your thoughts on that? And you know, how do you feel like having children? has impacted your kind of outlook on what your career was going to be, if at all. Um, And and have you seen anything on that front? Because you're kind of just embarking on the beginning of this. Um, So what's been your impression on that so far?
2: Yeah, a really interesting perspective because we had put off – having children because similar kind of thoughts, but in my Navy career, you know, and I didn't want to be the person who didn't make that deployment because I had a child on the way or something like that. And Mm so I had already been through that and had already Mm -hmm. put off having children for that, you know? And so, you know, this was kind of coming down since I was a little bit older to like, these are the years that I really do to do that. And so I kind of got over it quite honestly, just you know what, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to have an amazing career and I'm going to do it with kids on my side, you know? So I think a lot of it is, um, the story that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if, like you said, you know, they heard that's not possible or they think that that's not possible and it it is totally possible to have a wonderful family and a fulfilling career. So I think it's, it's becoming more and more the story that we tell ourselves. There are no actual barriers. It's just, you can go out there and make it happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from both of you. Like Mo was like, you know, I never really considered what everybody else thought like I didn't care, um, which is, uh, you know, I think in general, whether you're talking about having children or anything else is a very healthy and, and uh, good way of looking at things. I feel like that's kind of how I approach things like, you know what, I'm going to do it because it makes sense to me and I'm not going to ask your permission. Um, uh, um, and I don't really like, oh, you have an opinion on that? Cool. Couldn't care less. <laughs> it turns out you're not you're not part of this decision making party. And, um, and and it sounds like, Sarah, you've kind of come to that yourself as well like you put things off before and then you realize, you know what, I can't do this forever. And so I'm going to choose for myself. Like you think I should defer vet school. You're like, you know what, I know me better than you do. And I think I can do this. Um, so I'm going to do it. And, um, again, not that anybody does anything alone. You have, you know, support and you've, you know, had, um, you know, supportive faculty at the university of Florida, you've got supportive family spouses, things like that. That all sounds great. But at the end of the day, you have to decide for yourself. Is that, is that fair?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I
0: agree. So what would be uh, the advice, you know, since we just talked about ignoring advice other people would give you, what advice would you offer um, to, you know, to other people, you know, men and women who are thinking about going to vet school, who are in vet school and are thinking, you know what, this is the time in my life when I want to start having children. It, for whatever reasons they've decided this is something I want to do. Um you know, Sarah, you mentioned like being specific and asking for what you need. Um, but like, what else, like, would you consider, or would you recommend people consider before making that decision to say, yeah, let's go for it. Sarah, what, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the first thing, you know, I hear a lot is I don't know how you, you know, made it through vet school with kids. And like my honest reply is, I don't know how you made it through vet school without kids. <laughs> uh, because, I think a lot of us are these type a personalities really driven, really goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And how hard is it to like unwind at the end of the day? Yeah. And I will say that having children, like you literally walk in the door, I set down my bag and I go into mom mode and it is the best way to unwind ever because the little girls don't care yeah, you had a bad <laughs> surgery today, or you had a bad interaction with a client, or you didn't get the grade on the test that you wanted. They're right. just happy that their mom's home, and that's great. And I can just do that and find joy in that moment, and I—it's a great way to unwind. And I don't have to worry about being. A and some perspective, now. right? Yeah. On, you know what? Maybe maybe getting a
0: B on that exam was not the end of the world. Um, that you know there are, there are more important things in life. It's funny that you say that. Like that that's, um, allowed you a little more balance. I remember when I was a resident one of my one of my faculty mentors um she had her first child while I was a resident, and uh, she was one of those faculty who was like so supportive and right there with you with everything, but at the end of the day it was kind of like you need to go home. Like, you know, you're the faculty. I've got this. I'm the resident. I expect to stay later than you. Like you can go and, and I got this. I will call you if needed. And she struggled with that. Um, you know, and was just like, always felt like bad. Like she felt bad if she was going to leave and not be there for every step of the way. And it was like, I've got this, I've got this. And then she had kids. And I think she still felt that way for a while, but it was like, uh, I'm going to get yelled at by the nanny again if I don't leave. And it's like, good, go, go. Like she almost needed that she needed that like I have to do these things to help give her that that balance and it was it wasn't like it was a you know flip of a light switch, like, okay, now I'm fine to leave. Like she still struggled with that, but it forced her to get out of there. And then over time it got easier and easier for her to be like, okay, you know what? I trust you guys. You have this. You'll call me if needed. I'm going to go get the kid and, um, and then we'll, we'll touch base tomorrow. So I think for, for some people, like you said, a lot of type A personalities and people are like, this is it, this is all the thing. It does provide that balance and perspective. Um, so like, yeah, there are challenges with having kids, but like, there's a lot of benefits. So if that's what you've chosen for yourself, that you want to have children and that, you know being being a mom or a dad is important to you, then vet school shouldn't be an impediment to that. If anything, this all, this all works together. Um, so yeah, that, that's awesome, Sarah. Um, how about you, Mo? What unsolicited advice would you give to folks uh, who were maybe thinking about having children um, somewhere I mean, in their actually, I'm career? glad that
1: we didn't have kids sooner in vet school.
0: Yeah.
2: Because
0: I'm, I mean, I wouldn't
1: have studied. I would, <laughs> I would not have been like, because I would have come home Yeah, turn on mommy mode and not, you know, I I I don't know if I would have had the discipline to then put them to bed and then hit the books. You know, would have been hard. So for me, it was nice because I was in clinics and I didn't really have to do homework when I got home.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, My advice would be: I think you need you need support. You need a support system in whatever way, whether it be a husband, a partner, a mother. I I don't know, but trying to do that by yourself would be near impossible. And you just need someone who is very understanding. Like yeah. I'm late. I need you to pick them up or yeah. I got to do this. You got to do that. Um, and Bob love you, honey was um, <laughs> very, very, very supportive. So that yeah. I, I think that made my life a whole lot easier. Cause that just took one little bit of stress away to know that yeah. someone was home. Either I I was stuck at work and he's with the kids, or I got to go to the kids and yeah.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me, and I think that's true whether you have children or not. Not going to lie, it's true, like, um, Yeah, like, not.
1: yeah. Whether uh, you're a vet student or not in mm-hmm, life, I yeah, think yeah. Child without a support system, is
0: is really hard. Yeah, I mean, people do it, and and Props if you have to the to, single moms. Yeah, but um, but you you know it takes a village, right? Like, there's a reason that's a phrase, and because you do need help, and and you know, I I, I don't have children of my own, but like taking care of me is a full time job, and Topher I think does a really good job of helping to. Do take care of me and, and running that just, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You do need that support system. So, but if you're thinking, I want to start having children, maybe being very thoughtful about, okay, who are these support people and who's going to be there for this and who's going to be my babysitter and who's going to be the person to kind of, um, you know, just turn to when I really need it. Even if it's like a phone call, like I'm going to call, you know, you know, a friend or a a family member on the other side of the country, um, just when I need to talk, but then also the like actual support, you know, nanny, babysitter you know who's who's on call for that and that can be a struggle um but um but so have making sure you feel like you have that support system in place beforehand i think that's probably good advice for anybody who's thinking about having children um for for sure um so if you could do things a little bit differently like, let's say you had control over Mother Nature, because it sounds like, Mo, if you had, you would have done things. And looking back, you're like, I'm actually glad Mother Nature did things a little bit the way she did. But if you could go back and do things a little bit differently in some way, shape, or form, would you? And if so, what, what would that be? Ooh, I would have more patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh. Have more like with your children, or I have, or with I have your, patience yeah.
1: for other people, but not ah. for my
0: children. Yeah,
1: I was probably too impatient, but I, yeah, I had lots going on. So, yeah. and then the other thing that I find the hardest is but everybody has this the mom guilt, like you said, ah. the your resident, yeah. your mentor, yeah, you to be at work, but you're trying, you got to get home, you yeah. got to, I mean, trying to balance those two. You have to decide, you have to at one point say, This is more important, I gotta go,
0: yeah, and also like, forgive, like, I'm one person. Like it's I'm be I'm have unreasonable expectations for myself right now, and that's not fair. Um, I, I find that like really surprising that you say more patience, Mo, because you just seem like an incredibly like calm, thoughtful, not reactive, like patient person. And again, maybe, maybe you're saving that all up for everyone else. And so your kids are just like, uh, now we, now I feel like we need to get your kids on the show and find out, get the real scoop. (laughs) All right. What do you wish your mom had done differently? (laughs) Um, uh, no, that's, that's really fine. All right, Sarah. Um, you know, you're, you're still kind of in the thick of it, but if you could do things differently at all, would you, and if so, what, what would you have done differently?
2: I feel like, um, you know, time management is really a thing um, and kind of similar to what Dr. O'Brien was saying, you've got to kind of learn to let it, let things go. And one kind of thing I've learned, especially um, after having a second one, is that like the amount of things that you have to do in life will always swell to fill the amount of time that you have to do them. And so I think I'm learning more and more that it's important to fill your life with the important things and let everything else go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Say no, right? Yes. Learning to say, no, that's a, that's a thing. It it took me years and I still, it's, it's still a work in progress, but like saying no to the things that. I'm not excited about, like, feel, I don't have to feel like I have to say yes to everything anymore. Like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And if my first response is, you know, no in my gut, but out loud, I'm saying yes. Like, I got to work on that. Like, that's a problem. And I have worked on that. And I've gotten a lot better at being like, you know what? I'm going to say no, because I'm, I'm already busy. Um, and I'm going to save that yes for the time when I'm like, oh my God, yes, I really want to do that. Um, and I think that's good life skills for everybody. And that, I think at least that's how I approach it, what you're talking about, Sarah, because you will you will fill the available time and space with, with everything. Don't, don't worry. You're not going to be bored. Um, but you may be prioritizing, you know, what are, what are the most important things, both career and family and, and, you know, all the, the personal life things, you know, having to, to find that quote unquote work-life balance or work-life integrate, no such thing, right? It's work-life balance, but work-life integration, um, and just figuring out for each person. Cause I think that's the key, right? Is there's no one size fits all. This is what works for everybody. Um, but you know, Take the advice, take it or leave it, listen to it. Sure, that's great. But ultimately it's entirely what works for you and you know yourself hopefully better than anyone, your family and and make the decisions that, that work best for you. And then- ask for what you need or demand. I would say demand, demand. We ha- I think we have to be better as a profession about being like, no, you know what? What you're requesting of me is unreasonable and I need these things. And I think if we all collectively start doing that and advocating for one another, um, whether that's for you know, people getting the maternity leave that they need um, or you know, whatever support that, that people need, um, I think we could do a better job about that. And it starts with talking about it, right? So I'm really excited, Sarah, that you brought this up and just talking about it. So it is possible, to have children during vet school early in your career at any point in your career that you decide and to be successful, um, and happy and fulfilled. And, uh, and, and so, you know, anybody who's out there thinking about it, like, you know what, if it feels right for you, go for it. Um, and don't let anybody else tell you that that was a bad idea or you should have done this differently or you shouldn't do this or you should time things like this. Um, ignore those people.
2: There is no good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I will say uh, Dr. O'Brien probably has the better perspective on it, but I don't think it's going to get any easier <laughs> as time goes on to have kids, you know, as a new veterinarian or as a general practitioner. Mm-hmm. I, I or feel biologically. Like like, I always <laughs> think about that.
0: Like, honestly, we are
2: built to have children
0: way earlier than life than a lot of people are doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, Mo, you were talking about your husband being like, you know what? I don't, I, I don't, want to be that old and having kids and that was a big part of it for me I met Topher later in life and it was kind of like you know if I had met him 10 years earlier would we have had kids we might have I might have been much more up for that but like physically I'm like you know what I went through back surgery and that wasn't super fun I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to rock the boat you know like physically that seemed really hard so my thought is like have kids when you're young and you're maybe a little dumb and maybe a little like, you know, you've got the energy to just go through. Cause my mom had four kids before she was 30. She, she was, I think she had my oldest sister when she was, I think she was 19. She got married at 18 and had my, had my oldest sister at, at 19. I'm thinking, when I was 30, I was like, I can't even imagine starting having kids now. My mom had four at that point. I was like that, but that's when you should have done it. If you, you know, if that's how life worked out. So yeah, don't put it off if, if that doesn't feel right. Cause biologically, I think it's only going to get harder. <laughs> um, yeah. And like you said, there's no right time. There's no it's amount of money. It's what works no, for you. Yeah.
1: Don't listen to anybody else. Do what yeah. you think is right for you and your family and whatever. Yeah.
0: That includes the three of us, right? Don't listen to us. We don't know what we're talking about either.
1: Exactly. Well, no. Especially I mean, you not You get me. so much advice yeah. from everybody about everything, no matter whether you're pregnant or not. Yeah. But I swear there's so much more when you're pregnant and or I have a baby. It. And you're like, no, you got to do this to feed them, blah, 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 blah. But it really comes down to what works for you, right. your family. My husband did the wackiest and craziest things with the kids in terms of... He's laughing now. I would come home and there'd be like a child in a crib with a bottle propped up sideways. And I'm like,
0: what are you doing? But like- Oh my God, I I love those-
1: it works. Baby's I quiet. love all good. those
0: like those pictures that you find online now of like the like the dads and moms doing like amazing things like yeah, life hack, mom hack, dad hacks, those things are so fun where yeah, the dad's like got this propped up with one toe and he's got a tablet down here and this and you're like, Hey, yeah, kudos to you, man, because that's amazing. <laughs> exactly.
2: Uh. I would also say, uh, don't underestimate instincts. Um ah. so both my husband and I had never changed a diaper until we had our daughter. And so like literally that like no baby experience whatsoever. And like 20 minutes after my daughter was born, my husband was like scolding the labor and delivery nurse for not holding her correctly. Oh and, it I was like, what, so, uh, the, the instincts will carry you the rest of the distance that that's, the advice yeah. uh, unsolicited advice will not. So that's so funny.
0: Um, well, um ladies, thank you so very much for for coming on the show and for talking to us. I think this was really great and and kind of, you know, nice for anybody out there who's thinking about having children or is in the midst of it. and uh, you know, you're part of an amazing group of people. And, yeah, ignore what everyone else says and do what is right for you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. O'Brien, Sarah, almost Dr. Fetterschmidt um, for coming on to the show. It's been a pleasure having you and I hope uh, I'll, I'll have both of you back uh, sometime in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having
1: us. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.